0: Let me pray and we'll look into God's word today. So God, we, we do believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe your uh, spirit opens our eyes because we believe that he's supernatural. And what we're doing here is a supernatural thing. He opens our eyes, he opens our hearts so we can hear and see and even feel things that your Holy Spirit wants us to hear and see and feel. So as we look in your word today, um, Holy Spirit, do what you do best, and that's speak to us. Let me ask this all in your name. Amen. So, um, topic for the day to start with is things that pierce our hearts. All right, so uh, I'll start off with a silly example. So I was watching, Aaron and I were talking earlier about watching YouTube videos, but I, I, I don't watch them too much, although they're kind of addictive, you know what I mean? I was watching one the other day, and it was about this guy who was a mixed martial arts fighter, who was called upon to catch an alligator in an elementary school playground. All right, and apparently that's what he does anyway. So he's, you know, he's fighting this thing. This is cool. He's an ex-marine. I'm just, well, and I'm watching this, and I'm just—it was just entertaining at that point. And then they ask him. The newscaster said, do "You have a nonprofit for former military people, and what? What? Tell us about that." Well, he started talking about Jesus. He said, I, I do this because I think the only way for, for true health and victory in life is what Jesus did for us on the cross. And, and this may sound dumb. I'm watching him do alligators. Then I'm kind of I'm tearing up because I thought, my, in a sense, I was thinking, way to go. So I, and, and it pierced my heart. Usually when I tear up, it's because something pierced my heart. All right, Other things that have pierced my heart. My dad died when I was 22. It pierced my heart. All right? Death pierces our heart. I can remember the first time I broke up with my first girlfriend. Pierced my heart. It was was her decision, not mine. All right, pierced my heart, right? Uh, We have a family we know, not in town, but we have a family we know who had a son years ago that committed suicide. It pierces my heart when I think about that. Um, Extreme pain in your life. Uh, Every time when I read about Aaron and Sadie going back to Riley with Knox, it kind of pierces my heart because it's like... It does, it's, it's not just a thought, it's something else. goes. But there's also times, you know, when I'm standing at the aisle and Kathy's coming down to get married, it pierced my heart in a joyful way. I still remember with all my kids I was happy, but for some reason when David was born, I started crying. And when I called my mother-in-law to tell her David was born, I couldn't even talk, and she thought something was wrong. But, it, you know, joy can pierce our heart. Um, first time I was in Pike's Peak, I was just like... The beauty pierces your heart. So uh, there was a famous author, Simon Weil, who also was a Jewish uh, prisoner at the concentration camps. He he has a famous quote where he says, there's two things that pierce the human heart, beauty and affliction. The the times where you're moved in a a way that's not just emotional or mental, it's, it's all of you. But beauty as well as pain and affliction. So we're gonna look at that today in terms of because that phrase shows up in our passage today, piercing the heart. And I don't know why I'm popping, so I'll try to stop moving. So so I've been so yet yeah, last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. So we're gonna keep I'm gonna keep talking about some things, uh, what I'm gonna call it the people of Pentecost. So over the next couple of weeks we're gonna look at people, ordinary people like you and me, whose lives were changed in significant ways. So Today we're looking at kind of the crowd, because 3,000 people became Christians that day. Um, future weeks, we're looking at Stephen, who was stoned to death. We're going to look at Philip, who God talked to him in the middle of the desert. We're going to look at Cornelius, who was a Gentile, had, who had no c- concept of, of Jesus. And so all these people whose lives were changed, and their lives really aren't much different than your lives or your neighbor's lives. So we're going to look at the how the Holy Spirit changes lives, and kind of each week highlight on a certain person or a certain... Uh, certain situation so let me just i'm going to read part of the passage of acts 2 again when you think about it with the christian thinking you have christmas and easter pentecost has to be a close number three in terms of important events in the bible because it was the giving of the holy spirit it was the birthday so to speak of the church and it was things all of a sudden changed So if you remember last week, we talked about Acts chapter 2. I'll I'll just kind of summarize the first part. They were all together in a room on Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. Penta, like Pentagon 5, Pentecost was 50. It was a Jewish celebration from the Old Testament. It was 50 days past their release from Egypt. So Pentecost, the New Testament, God kind of arranged this, of course. It happens on 50 days past the resurrection of Jesus because Pentecost is about freedom. It's about freedom and power, all right? So, day of Pentecost, they're all sitting in a room, 120 or so Christians. Jesus had already ascended. He told them, don't do anything. Wait until the promise I told you comes to you. They still didn't really quite get what he was talking about. The Bible tells us they're sitting in a room on the day of Pentecost, and a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Think of trains or airplanes going by, rushing wind. And they had what appeared to be tongues of fire over their head. And they start speaking in languages they've never learned, speaking clearly in those languages about the wonders of the works of God. And the Bible, in the book's early part of Acts 2, it lists all the countries of the languages they were speaking because Pentecost Sunday, devout Jews would come back to Jerusalem. So from all across the region. So there's a phenomena happening, and this that's where all. I'll start this. is At this time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. This is Acts 2. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. So, you know, there might have been, nobody knows for sure, but some people think there were hundreds of thousands of people in Jerusalem that day. So we don't know how many came running, but it must have been a bunch, all right, because something was happening supernatural And the Bible tells us they were bewildered when they got there. Because they're just like, what's happening? What is this? Who are these? These are Galileans. And Galileans was kind of a derogatory term because they were uneducated. And they're speaking languages that we learned at birth. And how did they learn these? And they're they're really kind of like, what's going on? And then somebody, some of the crowd actually said, well, they're just drunk. And remember last week, Peter steps up. And he says, no, it's, they're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. It's too early for that. All right. So he, but he says, this is what, this is, I'll start with verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. So who knows how big the crowd was. It was at least 3,000, probably thousands upon that. He shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk. Some of you are assuming 9 o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel, then Peter. And this was all without notes. Peter didn't have PowerPoint. He didn't have notes. It was the Holy Spirit inside He starts quoting from the Old Testament prophet Joel, which all devout Jews would have known this passage. In the last days, he's quoting from Joel. God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on servants, men, and women alike, and they will prophesy. And then he talk, finishes that quote. Then he says this, because I want to get to this is the heart of kind of his sermon. He says, People of Israel, again, think about Peter and the 11 other disciples standing around him, and he's shouting because there's tons of people there. People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. The, the, Jesus just was crucified 53 days before. So most of the people, even if they came from out of, out of town for Pentecost, they knew, they knew this Jesus. They knew something unique had happened. And he's, so Peter's going right there back to Jesus. Some of them may have been in the crowd that were yelling, crucify him. We don't know. It's very possible. It says, but God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. That's pretty, you know, Peter said, hey, you nailed him to a cross and you killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. King David said about this, again, Peter's quoting from the Psalms, I see the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he's right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life. You can be sure the patriarch David will with the joy in your presence. Then he says, dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried and his tomb still here today. He was a prophet, and he knew it. God had promised that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. So this whole sermon's about Jesus. All right. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. We, the 11 guys, were all with him. Because remember, Judas had killed himself. There were only 11. We got Jesus, God raised Jesus from the dead. Now he's exalted to the place of highest honor. God's right hand and the father as he promised gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see in here today Then he says he quotes another psalm and he finishes with this so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah so he's going right there about the resurrection of Jesus the resurrection of Jesus has to be, like, the crucial core part of the message of Christianity. If Jesus was just a good guy who did good works, then he's just another guy throughout history who was a good guy and did good works. If he resurrected from the dead, something's totally uniquely about it. So Peter is making the argument from Scripture and prophecy. And again, these people in the crowd, they may have known Jesus was—of course they knew he was crucified. They may have heard rumors about resurrection— but they're seeing these 11 guys stand up there who had been Jesus' followers, and they're emboldened, and something supernatural is happening to them, so it's got their attention. But then in verse 37, here's our phrase for the day, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? All right, Go to the one that says Peter's words pierced their heart. Chris, I think I have it in there yeah Peter's words pierced their hearts. what does that mean? I mean, was it a logical argument that Peter made? Oh, it makes sense to me, but piercing heart, just like I said earlier in my examples, there's something else that's happening. It's like something kind of hits you in a way that stirs your emotion almost in an agitating kind of way, but your mind's also working at the same time and it's like your whole body is on hyperdrive. Something said it pierced their heart. So this idea of piercing the heart, I think it's kind of the heart of this passage in a sense because he's, it's, it's kind of cut to the heart. You know, when somebody says, oh, let me do this. Oh, it hurts my heart. You know, it cut to my heart. But the Bible tells us Peter's words pierced their hearts. And I gave examples earlier of, you know, Kathy coming down the aisle or sad things, whatever, that pierce. But you all would have examples of times where you felt like God said something or somebody said something that pierced your heart in a spiritually meaningful way, right? I remember when I was in college, I went, a friend of mine invited me to this special service at some churches, and the guy leading the service was asking me able to commit their life to a a greater calling of God in their life and I was already a Christian and I, I went forward that was part I was already Christian but I, I, I felt like this guy's message pierced my heart and I knew that I needed to do something all right um, I was arguing with my older brother one time about something which happened frequently I think when I was younger and that night I read in Psalms or Proverbs the passage it was just kind of a random thing pride breeds quarrels and god pierced my heart to help me realize oh that's what's going on inside of me i've shared before about time, Kathy and i were arguing about how our reception for our wedding was going to go and we had some sharp words and then the holy spirit pierced my heart and showed me that i was being kind of a, a jerk in the conversation um there's other times where things you could probably tell stories about when somebody said something, you read something in the Bible, or some experience happened, and it was one of those, what I'll call a freeze frame, pierce your heart moment, where you decided, I'm going to do something about this, right? So we all know those experiences, and I guess one of the things I want to challenge you right now is keep paying attention to those experiences, and don't... Don't let them fade away. Because these people, and it pierce their heart, and then they say this. Go to the next slide. They said, what what should we do? Think about times when, you know, when I was arguing with Kathy and the Holy Spirit pierced my heart, I knew what I had to do. I had to go apologize to her. And the time when I was in the church service where I felt like God was calling me to commit my whole kind of ministry, my life to him, not as a Christian, pierced my heart, and the guy was saying, I want you to come forward. There's nothing magical about coming forward, but I needed to do something because I knew this was a, a, a moment for me. All right, so they're asking him, what did we do? What did we do? And this was Peter's response. Just leave it on this slide. He says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promises to you, your children, and to those far away and for all have been exalted, called by the Lord. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, which I had one pastor say he really loves that passage because he preaches long sermons, so he thinks it's biblical to do that. But Peter continued preaching a long time, strongly urging his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the first that day about 3,000 in all. So just stop for a second and imagine 3,000 people among a group of thousands of others who are saying, what do we do? And who knows how they did a 3,000-person baptismal service for that day. There's not a lot of water in Jerusalem. There are probably different pools here and there. But what's going on with that? The words of Peter pierced their hearts. Peter said, repent and turn to God. They did. They were baptized, and the church went from 120 to 3,120 or so. What's happening with that? And again, this shows the supernatural reality of what we do as, as what we call ourselves Christians in the church. So again, two applications I want to challenge you with. If you sense that the Holy Spirit is piercing your heart about something, whether it's something somebody says to you, a passage of scripture that kind of jumps out of you in an unexpected way, or maybe just a thought that you just feel like, Where is that thought coming from, and it sticks with you and it pierces your heart, it stirs something in you emotionally. Do something with it, don't blow it off, all right, especially if you're reading if somebody says something in a sermon, if you're reading something in the Bible and it, it hits you and you think. Okay, if something just happened to me, do something. Now for me, the way I know, and this is, I've realized this over the last, if, I, if something is said to me, or I read something, or whatever, and I I start tearing up, which my younger son David kind of makes fun of me when I tear up. He, not, he says, he always tells people, if you go to my dad's church, i will probably cry during the service, he'll be ready for that, but anyway... But when somebody says something to me and I tear up, that's for me, that's how I understand, oh, something just pierced because why am I crying? It wasn't a cognitive thing. I'm not an emotional person overall. But I can still remember sitting in a situation where somebody said something to me that was encouraging to me in a way that I needed to hear. And it just kind of, it was one of those freeze frame, pierce my heart moments that I'm so glad God gave to me. So when those moments happen, steward them really well. And if God's piercing your heart about a sin in your life, do something about it. If God's piercing your heart with something he wants you encourage you to do, do something with that. If he's piercing your heart, ask the question, what should I do? And let God tell you what that is. Don't let those moments pass by, or don't let them cool down. So I, I, I know there's times in my life where I feel like I had these piercing my heart moments, and there's some things I know I, I just let it cool down because I wasn't sure what to do. I didn't really ask. I didn't know if I wanted to do anything with it, all right? So let those, let those moments, when they happen, do something with it. And then the second part of this is simply just on the sense of think about friends and family neighbors you have that are not followers of Jesus. Or maybe they were followers of Jesus but now they're in a really really bad place spiritually. Maybe a simple prayer for them. Say if your neighbor's name is Bob, Jesus would your holy spirit pierce his heart. Maybe that's your prayer. Or you're praying for somebody who's maybe a prodigal that you know. Maybe your prayer is simply, Jesus, would you, would you pierce their heart? It's, it's basically asking God, supernaturally, to get somebody's attention about God. All right? So do this with me for a second. Close your eyes. I want you to think of one person right now that you want Jesus to pierce their hearts. Most likely somebody who's not a follower of Jesus, or it's somebody who maybe is a prodigal. Like way far away... And in you, and, and your understanding, they have a hard heart, all right? So I want you to think about that person. I'm not going to ask you to name them. But I'm going to say in a second, one, two, three, and I want you to say out loud, Jesus pierced their heart. And Jesus knows who you're talking about. We're all talking about different people, all right? So I'm going to say one, two, three, and we'll say Jesus pierced their heart. All right, one, two, three. Jesus pierced their heart. So Jesus, I'm thinking about somebody. And I know everybody else here is thinking about somebody. But those somebodies are names to you. You know these people. You know exactly how you can pierce their heart. Your word says that nobody comes to you, Jesus, unless the Father draws them to you. And we know the part of the Father drawing them to you is this supernatural prick in the heart, pierced in the heart. So for these people we've just mentioned... Even today, pierce the hearts. Even today, pierce the hearts. And for those of us who are already followers of you, Jesus, would you continue to pierce our hearts when there's things you need to correct in us, or when there's things you need to encourage in us, or where there's ways where you want to empower us? Um, we don't want to live with numb hearts. We don't want to live with hard hearts. We don't even want numb hearts. We don't even want just n- nominally soft hearts. We want hearts that are wide open to the ways that you want to pierce our hearts. Always, 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 always lead us to life. Even if it's confession of sin, if it's stepping out in faith, if they're taking a risk, those kind of steps always lead us to life. So Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you continue to do what you did in the hearts of those 3,000 women and men... 2,000 years ago, and would you continue to that in our hearts, in the hearts of our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, family members who don't know Jesus. Um, Holy Spirit, would you do what you do best, and that's pierce hearts, and then open up a pathway for life, and for goodness, and for joy, and for peace, supernatural peace. That's what we want. And we ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we uh, take communion every week. Um, and Aaron will come up and lead us in a uh, song or two. So Jesus, when Jesus had this provided this meal, it was the night before he was betrayed. So this would have been what fifty three, fifty four days before Pentecost, and the disciples still were trying to figure out what's going to happen. And I'm sure in retrospect they started filling the blanks. But Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Every time you eat this and drink this, remember me. Remember me. And there's, there's it's symbolic. People, you know, feel all of the debate. Is this symbolic? Is it a mysterious thing? It's both. It's a symbolic thing. This is just bread. This is just Welsh's grape juice. But at the same time, it's also, there's a mystery. Something's going on spiritually when you put this wafer and and juice in your mouth. Something's going on because you're receiving Jesus. You're receiving him. He's meeting you here. He's 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 coming inside of you here. So this is not simply a religious tradition, although it is, but it's meaningful because we believe the spirit of Jesus is here and he meets us in the bread and in the in the cup. So Maybe, what you need, maybe you put this in your mouth today and maybe your prayer is simply, Jesus, pierce my heart. I, I, I want to know you more. Pierce my heart. No, no preconditions, but I want to hear from you. I want to know what you want me to do next. With this or that, it could be a corrective thing. It could be an encouraging thing, but we'll always lead to the life, all right? So, so here's how we do it next. Aaron will lead us in a song. Come up, and uh, we, all, we don't dismiss my rose. So we just, just come on up whenever you get in line, to, uh, take a wafer, and then how we do it here, we have you just dip the wafer into the juice. Most people eat it right away. Some people take it back to their seats, and it's uh, up to you how you want to do that. So Jesus, we're grateful that you uh, gave your body and your blood for us. And in doing that, what you did, you opened up what the Bible tells us, this new and living way. You open up the way that through the power of the Holy Spirit in each each one of us, we can be the kind of people who are bold and generous and good and full of peace and joy and kindness. That's who we want to be. And only through you, Jesus, and what you've done for us and are doing for us and will do for us can we be those kind of people. So we take this bread and this cup into our bodies with gratitude but also with expectation of how you can pierce our hearts and how you can even give our hearts a greater capacity to know you. And we love you, Jesus, and ask this all in your name. Amen.